1395 Adelaide's 5AA. This is the First 11 Cricket Show. Welcome to you tuning in to the First 11 Cricket Show here on 5AA. Absolutely fantastic to have you joining us after what has been quite a long, long winter, I can tell you that much. Sam Tuggle here alongside me is Paul Bonzer. We have a lot to talk about as we introduce, of course, a brand new coach to the South Australian system in Jason Gillespie. But we also will go deep into... The Hussey Report, the Mike Hussey Report that came with the South Australian Cricket Review not that long ago. Now, as we talk about this, there's a lot to come from it. And Paul Bonzer, as I welcome you to our first show for the new summer. Well, it's a bit, is... of, a, it's a bit of a pre-season, isn't it, really? It is, Hello, mate. And uh, welcome to our listeners. A pre-season podcast, this is. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be good to go through the nuts and bolts of the Hussey Report. Mm. And give you our thoughts, and hopefully on social media you can give us give us uh, your feedback. The, one of the main things in the Hussey report is he wanted the South Australian Cricket Association to assemble a high-caliber, high-quality Redbacks coaching unit. Yep. And that starts with the head coach. And it was announced this week that Jason Gillespie, uh, it's been rumoured for a while that he was one of the front runners, and he ends up with the, with the main job. He is the right man for the job, in my personal opinion. I don't know about yours, but I think he's brought a, a fair bit of success along on his resume after 10 years in uh, in world uh, sport now. He's gone to England, and now he's been in Australia for a few years doing Big Bash stuff, um, and he's done a whole lot of different development roles around the place as well, which have just it's gone to show that he has a great eye for building talent and, uh, and finding success uh, in teams. So for South Australia, he is a fantastic appointment. It's good for the for the general public because obviously Dizzy well loved here, mm. but I think better than that he has had success. He's had success at Sussex, and he's had success at the Strikers. Already brought a trophy home, mm-hmm. um, and that to me is the most important part of this coaching appointment. When it's some a, co- a head coach who has had success, not someone who might have success. Mm. He's he knows how to bring success. And not just with one group, and I think that's important. He's not just done it with Yorkshire for a handful of years and bring consecutive trophies to them. He's then come to another group in the Strikers and the Big Bash, mm. one there after a year or two working with them. He's now at Sussex. You know, he's, he's constantly finding new challenges and building new groups of people and finding a way to win. And that is what South Australia need. They've got a group here that have struggled for a long time. And I think if we dive into that, Michael Hussey's uh, report that he did with the review um, throughout the months of, what, I think April to June, there were a lot of things that he focused on that weren't just Redbacks related, but what he did find in the South Australian um, system at a state level was that there was, in quote, a culture of mediocrity, which was probably the most damning part. <laughs> and it shows in the performance, you can say that. It's, mm. it's that simple. Um one thing he also said in regards to the coaching panel is they want to encourage diversity and have some different personalities within within this coaching group. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. They put Dizzy in. At the moment, you've got Luke Butterworth from Tasmania, who's been with us for three years. Bluey's there. Greg Blewett's there, who's been uh, in that role for a part-time role for, for three years, maybe a bit longer than that. Mm. Um, so... He also suggested that they need to employ a full-time batting coach. Mm. 
I think Blind Freddy could have seen that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of ducks, not you a only, lot of runs. Well, in the you past. only have to look at the batting averages of the of the top six batters in South Australia over the past few years, and there's, uh, you know, Travis Head's been a bit of a standout. But apart from that, when he goes away to play for Australia now, mm. uh, it leaves a pretty big hole. So, yeah. you know, when you've got guys averaging mid, mid to low 30s, high 20s, that's just not good enough. Uh, so obviously, batting coach needs to come in. That's a, that's a really big one. I'd like to know how many states around Australia have dedicated batting coaches because it has been a focus area for South Australia for many years. You rock up and you go, well, how many runs are we going to score today on a fantastic-looking, beautiful 30-degree day and a fantastic-looking track with the grass mode absolutely to perfection like carpet? 150, 200? Like, there's never a high standard for South Australia when they go out to bat, when the conditions are perfect for them. So that would be one area that I think Mike has nailed and would be great to have uh, a dedicated batting coach in some regard. I know we've got a bowling coach in Luke Buttersworth and he's been there for the last three years and how well have Joe Many, Chad Sayers, jo- uh, Dan Worrell, um, etc. all played, in the, and Nick Winter I shouldn't forget as well, in those in that last three to four years. They've just been absolutely terrific. Why can't we have that for our batting? So it's, it's a great area that he's, he's pointed out. Well, it's a little bit of a ageing bowling group if we want to be... You know, completely honest. Um, you know, Chad's into his thirties. Joe Manny's into his thirties. Dan Worrell, uh, late twenties now, I think. Yep, Dan Worrell. Yep. Uh, so you sort of got to look at the next level. Obviously, Wes Agar made a had of course a big impact last year, um, and that's fantastic for the state. And to hang on to him. Real, I'm really interesting to see who. Really interested to see who that full time batting coach will be. Mm. I'd love it to be someone from outside the state. That's one point that I think we should point here out um, about this review is that we have been asked by Michael Hussey, who I've, and, and I've, as I said off the top, I really think he nailed just about every area we needed to think about, at least. We needed to consider a lot of different things, and he's found them all. There aren't many things that he's left out. And one of those was the coaching mix and how it's very South Australian in terms of uh, the experience we have. There's not a lot of insight from outside our own state, which I think is important to bring in. You, you look at some of the most successful footy sides and other competition teams in the world where they're not just built on people that have just been working in that same system for a long time. And especially when you've got a a team like South Australia, which haven't won anything for a long time, especially in the last 20 years, they just, they've hardly um, blown us away. Well, well How can it, you keep the same people involved in that same system for a long time in there as the most trusted people in the country to do the job? Maybe you do need to bring more successful coaches and, and, and insight into your team. Well, there's been two wins in the last 44 years, Sam, <laughs> which in anyone's language is not good enough. No. Yeah, so, uh, look, I'd love to see them bring in a coach from a successful state with a, with success. Maybe not even from another state. Maybe it's Dizzy bringing a coach back from England. Maybe. Maybe. That's a good idea. A technical coach who knows what he's doing, who gets along well with Dizzy, can work side by side. Mm. He's, he's, he's even been, I mean, Back on Dizzy for a sec, he was even asked to be, or he was being considered as an option for England's uh, head coaching role a couple of years ago, and then even as an assistant, I think, just a year ago. So he's always been in a lot of a lot of minds over there in England as one of the top coaches. It's great to have him here. Now, I think maybe some of those people that really endorsed him back there might like to be part of his team. 
I think they would like that because they, they rate him highly. And uh, there are conditions in Australia which can look a little like England at times. We get a green top every now and then, which we struggle with in Hobart and there's things like that, which maybe no Australian coach knows the answers to sometimes. So it wouldn't be a bad thing to have a completely different perspective, even from abroad. Should Dizzy have a big say in who that batting coach is? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, and, and this is where, I mean, I'll, I'll take this to football. Matthew Nix is struggling for the Crows. He would love to have a support system and, and, a, and a trusted coaching group, which he knew of the, of the skill set of those people as they come in. And so when he goes to work, he knows who he's got alongside him. Jason Gillespie would want exactly the same thing. He wants someone he can trust and knows has the right skill set to build on his players to get them to where he needs to go and not just sort of be with blind faith that whoever the Saka board brings in is a dude that might be good enough but may not deliver the same results to the standard Gillespie will want, which are very high, I hope. You mentioned a culture of mediocrity. <laughs> mediocrity. Um, that, to me, is the, is the most damning thing, almost the most damning thing in this, in this report. Mm. How does that get fixed? Is that all on Dizzy, or do they bring in another coach... A mind coach. Wow. For want of a better term. A lot of sports like that. I'd like to get what your thoughts are on that because there certainly is so many different ways of... You know, culture's the trigger word in sport nowadays, isn't it? It's, Everyone's it, yeah, it's a bit of a fluff it. word, but... It is, but I think, unfortunately, South Australia is the best example, sadly, for a team that has just sort of rested on its own laurels. It's become complacent for a long time and we haven't been... Uh, we've, of course, we're driven to try and get better, but we haven't been driven to change to get better. And at no point have we taken a step back or looked sideways to think of something different in order to get us there. We've tried to stick with what we know to try and propel us forward, and that was never working. So it wouldn't hurt to try something different. And we know what Dizzy's like. I'd love your thoughts, because he's what? He's a vegan. He's got a bit of a... Uh, um, he likes to meditate, I think, a bit like JL. I think he's one of those sort of different dudes who thinks differently, feels differently, and might like to get in the minds of the players in that way. I think he's, in that in that way, yes, maybe he can bring some of what he's done to get success into the Redbacks lineup. Um, one thing this does straight away, it combines the Redbacks and the Strikers into one. Does it? Yeah, it could. Well, well he's a, he's a head coach of both now. Mm-hmm. But so he's selling still, still a contract with the Strikers. He's mm-hmm. now a head coach with the Redbacks. And that was something else in the Hussey report, is that they should be bought under the one umbrella. Well, that was the one thing I think they striked out from the start. Point number 13. The final one that was combining the Redbacks and Strikers programs. Now, at that point, they didn't know that Gillespie was the coach of Correct. the Redbacks. So Correct. they couldn't possibly do it. But now that he is, do you really think that could open up an opportunity to do God, it? It's just, it? It makes sense. It makes sense. Half, if not a bit more than half of the team, is already in the Redback squad. Yep. So you're dealing with the same players. So you want to bring that culture, the winning culture of the Strikers, because they have been a winning franchise, through filtering through to the Redbacks. I wonder if that's the case in Perth, because you see a lot of WA players the... playing for the Scorchers and they win a lot. Um, so maybe that is a great point. I'd love to investigate that a bit further. But that is a, a an interesting point that I didn't consider before Jason came on board as the coach. Now that he's there... There's every chance you could try that. Um, the other interesting areas on this, and, and we'll get to this shortly maybe with the Premier cr- Cricket situation um, and its relationship with, with the South Australian um, state team, but 
Before we get into that, I'd like to get your views, Bonds, on the coaching and development of players. So not coaching and development of the state players, but below that, the juniors, the schools, the the grassroots, where we get our future from. Well, in his in Hussey's report, he's said that we should retain the emerging Redbat squad, which is basically all the young and up-and-coming cricketers in the Premier League competition. Um with specialised coaching, he's put an emphasis on spin and fast bowling. So obviously there's not enough strength there at that, that lower level. Mm. So bring in specialist coaches there. More focus on skills cricket rather than, um, I guess, fitness work, mm. uh, that, that type of thing. So more emphasis on, on skills. And one interesting thing is encouraging players to work with coaches outside of soccer. So if you've had a, co- a batting coach that you've grown up with since under-14s mm. and you have a great relationship with that coach and he's helped you get to the emerging Redbacks and then all of a sudden you're not quite comfortable with the coach there, you can still go back to your other coach. In the past, that's been frowned upon a little bit. It's, it's you know, don't listen, you're up in the Redbacks squad now. Yeah. You listen to what we're teaching you. Don't listen to what your other coach is telling you. Been a little bit of that. I think it'd be good to know how well that would work because, yeah, as a as a young one, you can get good advice, you can get bad advice, and parents are tending to be a lot of the coaches of these young teams, and they're they're just volunteering their time. They're not getting paid. They don't know much. They're just a, a parent of a kid who wants to have a go at some cricket. And sometimes that can be detrimental to development. And I'd love to think that maybe some more coaching resources are thrown towards that. And I think that's what. Michael Hussey wants for South Australia is to throw some resources towards that is schools and juniors need to have a strong focus in that space because yep. if parents can can uh, turn up at the start of the year to a, a training clinic which provides them with some skills training, some different uh, drills that they go, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Maybe I'll use that throughout the year with the kids so they get an idea of what to use and what to do to teach the skills rather than the, the full here's the here's the book of techniques learn it and teach them just give them a base to learn off and a foundation maybe that would be a good way to go and I'd like to think that would be solution number one Mr Cricket has has come out and said in this report um, it is important that the coaching is approved at all levels junior levels mm. Premier League level but Saka needs to fund this so Saka needs to it's not up to the clubs support to raise money to put to get coaches in and a lot of the coaches are extremely underpaid yeah you know i think uh all the senior coaches out there at premier league level probably work on a rate of about a dollar 50 an hour yeah (laughs) (laughs) so there just needs to be some support support from saka at that level bring in some coaches coach the coaches that's right help to be better which in turn makes better players. Absolutely. So on and so on. It's, it's a chain reaction and that's where it starts. So you've got to build them. They've also got to build the love for cricket because if you're no good and you, you've never been taught anything at a young age and you, and you never get runs, you never take wickets, then you're never going to go on to play juniors even. So it's not just a, a skills thing, it's also a love thing because you want to be able to score runs, take wickets in order to and take catches in the field and not fumble everything to move on to those next levels. And that's what one of the main areas was, was focus... 
in building relationships in this cricket pathway, and that is from juniors and schools, which we talked about, then into premier cricket, then to state level. Now, we'll get to those next two. The, the links between those two are critical for mine. The juniors and schools into premier cricket. Players like myself, I'm only young, but I was one of those people that considered it at one point. I thought, do I want to enter this Premier Cricket system at 18 years of age? I've played a lot of juniors in the Adelaide Turf Comp. Do I want to up my game and go into uh, this system? I tried a pre-season. It wasn't for me. That's a personal choice. It's got nothing to do with the relationship of it, but that is a chain that needs to see good talent flow through quite comfortably and encouraged to Premier Cricket. I'd like to. I'd like your views, Bonds, because you've been around the league for a long time. What that sort of relationship is between um, encouraging younger players into the system? There's always been a push from the clubs to have their best players be involved with the Redbacks, whether that's you got a young, fast bowler, he's going to go and bowl at, this, bowl at the Redbacks for a session or two or whatever. There's always been that from the clubs. I think what hasn't happened is it coming back the other way. So there hasn't been the Redbacks, senior players, ex-players, um, uh, and even even to a point, the fact that what's wrong with Dizzy spending one night at each grade club, mm. making an appearance? Um, th- there's a couple of things that could happen from that. One, it certainly bridges the, gra- the gap between the Redbacks and Premier Cricket. But what it also does... Dizzy might spot someone. Exactly. He might like like something in this guy that no one else sees. Yep. And I've seen this guy, and he, this guy's special. Come come and join us for a couple of sessions. Now it might not work. It might be a one-off. It, you just don't you just don't know. But that relationship between the grade club and Saka needs to improve. The funding needs to improve from Saka to the grade clubs and all yep. the grade clubs going, yeah, you're right, Bonds, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Ching. Yeah. Uh, but, there, yeah, there needs to be, uh, I guess, uh, like there is, you know, it's not, it's not terrible. It's never, ha- never been terrible. But there has been a bit of eliteness and us and them. Yeah. Do you think from state level to district or district level to other grades? Outside of the district competition. No, no. It's, it, well, it might be a bit of that too. Because I've, uh, and I'll be, I'll be honest mm. here. I've felt a little bit of that, mm. and 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 that's not being too critical, I don't think, because it is a premier competition uh, compared to the rest. But there is a sense of elitism in that in that space, and that is why the jump can be hard. And I think if they can bridge that gap too, that will help a lot of other players give it a go. And if they, and because the, they understand it's going to be tougher training, there's going to be tougher requirements to make teams compared to, you know, local clubs. Mm. But it is it is an elite competition which needs to be encouraging and welcoming rather than, um, not discouraging, but sort of closing itself off from the world and saying, well, we're great and we're gonna we're gonna excel in our own little bubble. It's a it's got to be a welcoming environment to encourage the next wave of players through. And and like you said, Dizzy Dizzy can. He's a great eye. Like any head coach of a state cricket team will be a good eye for good talent, won't they? Absolutely. So why not have a session or two every now and then where they go and visit different clubs and go, gee, that guy's hitting them all right. What does he do? What's his role in the team? Ask the coach. Mate, I don't mind keeping an eye on him. Hey, recruiters from South Australia, look at this guy when you're next out. And they might not have thought of him. Like different 
tactics like that could work. And it might be something simple, even like, okay, we've got this guy, this young guy who's a batting talent. Mm. Can we have the batting coach from Saka down for a for a couple of nights? Yeah. You know, over a three or four week period, just to work with him one on one. Or can we send this guy up to Saka to work with the batting coach? Extra sessions. Yeah, just a couple of extra sessions. Is that the way to do it? Again, that's all bridging the gap between right. these two. One thing in the report is uh, the removal of the Redback League. Now, the Redback League, for people that don't know, was uh, a pre-season competition where the best players from all grade clubs were split into uh, four teams and they played a bit of a, a I guess, a round-robin pre-season competition. Mm. Um, scrap that. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. So instead of having that, let's start grade cricket a little earlier and those state players play for their clubs. Absolutely. I think the state players need, and, the, and once again, bridging the gap. State players come back into the system where everyone is now in the mix. You uh, you rub shoulders with the good players. They help tips. They get them. You watch them prepare, which is such a, a crucial part of being a good player is preparing yourself pre-game in the pre-weeks, um, in pre-season. So there's a lot of things they can learn that can make them as a group be better. Players get better. Culture improves. Um, there are so many ongoing knock-on effects, which... I think we could really thrive off um, in this environment at Premier Cricket level. And I've never been a part of it, but I've always felt there's just a little bit of... Uh, it's not amateur, but it's not quite professional or at as a professional level as it could be, knowing how good our state system is. Yeah, it's cha- it's changed a bit as well. It's obviously become a younger competition. Yeah. Uh, there's not as many older players playing now. Um, people have more things to do. Uh, it, yeah, it's... Uh, the culture and the and the I guess the whole of society has changed a bit. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's not not the older players sticking around to uh, to play grade cricket, which again, it, passing knowledge on, it's probably a little bit disappointing. But that's the way society is now. The biggest thing um, in regards to Premier cricket that was suggested in the Hussey report, mm-hmm. and we'll keep talk going back to that, is uh, the Premier cricket clubs reduced to 8 to 10 teams and eliminate the buy. Currently 13 teams in uh, A-grade Premier Cricket. How do you do that? And and, and the, way, the other thing, the decision has to be made by the clubs. Mm. Can't be made by Saka and forced into this is what we're going to do. Mm. Um, we spoke briefly before we started the podcast uh, a couple of ideas, one from you first, Sam. We've both got one, and this and I love how they're different, and they're totally different. Mine, mine was purely a promotion relegation system because Hussey hasn't said cut clubs; he's just said cut teams, and I think that's a great opportunity not to dis, to to lose clubs with heritage and and a lot of people involved in the community. Um, you don't want to lose them. And you don't want to lose five of them when there's only 13 or something just to make a a better um, and stronger competition. I think we could get to a point where the A grade, the first grade in Premier Cricket, is a, a, what, an 8, a 10 team competition. Maybe 8 is a strong number. Um, You get the best of the best and you play each other twice or whatever you end up doing because you might start it earlier. And then that way... It's a, it's a the best team stays on the worst team will get relegated to Div Two where all the clubs play, and so all thirteen clubs are still involved in the system somewhere. But the top of the top, 
play in first grade, only eight teams, the best of the lot play. And that way, we're filtering through the best talent. Now, that'll outskew the second grade a little bit with some teams that are clearly first grade up against seconds, but that's the best part. The seconds now challenge themselves every now and then against really good clubs who have hopefully got a really good group as well. So let's say, uh, okay, we go, let's go with 10, for, mm. for example. So three of the teams drop from A grade to B grade. Yep. Their B grade side mm-hmm. drops from B grade to C grade, mm-hmm. and their D grade side, basically, well, there is no E grade, mm-hmm. so those players are gone. Yep. If you're a player for that club and you've been dropped to B grade, all of a sudden... An, an A-grade club comes tapping you on the shoulder, come and play for us, Mm -hmm. it's a fair chance that's going to happen. Sure. And that's part of the whole relegation thing. Um, Mergers are hard. We've spoken about uh, this, and it's it's tried to happen. It tried to happen with my club, with Woodville and West Torrens, going back when I was still there and on the committee at Woodville. (laughs) uh, And it got got very close. Mm. But in the end, the members said no. It got voted out. So the committees had agreed to terms. Members said no, so it didn't go through. Um, there's always been, from the 12 clubs in grade cricket, a thought that Adelaide University should not be in the A-grade competition because they don't have a juniors. They don't produce juniors. There's no under-16 university side. Mm. Um I'm not sure that's right either. Yeah. Well, it, it's, 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 it's their it, opinion yeah. in some ways. But yeah. It, it, it's been a long... You know, I, I've said it on the field. <laughs> I've, I've used it as a sledge. How'd your juniors go today, mate? <laughs> so, so it's... And it's been in grade cricket for a long time as well. But I don't mind... I don't mind the, re, the relegation thing. I, merger's too hard. Mm. But I think what they need to do is have... Okay, here's your format... For A grade to be in the A grade competition, not let's say not next season, let's say the season yep. after, you need to have these things in place: financial mm-hmm. sponsors, strong, uh, I get, I guess, um, player development. Yep. Good junior, so on, so on, so on. Yep. There needs to be a criteria to met. Sure. And all clubs have to put in their bid to be part of that A grade competition. If you're not in that competition on that A-grade competition, you move down to Turf A1. Wow. A1. Uh, down to Adelaide Turf Comp. So, so Adelaide a, Turf Comp. completely separate competition. Yep. So you don't lose... The clubs don't lose their identity. Yes, you're not playing in the best competition in the state, but you don't meet the criteria to be in that state. Yep. There are so, 10 better clubs mm. than you, so you've got to work hard to get to not one of those clubs out. So how? So I'll, I'll put this question to you, unknowing to whether you've got an answer to this, but if a club plays well at A1 level in the Adelaide Turf Comp, they win it perhaps, um, but their other teams underneath aren't so great, um, and overall they're probably still not up to scratch to make it into the Premier League competition, at the Premier Cricket competition. Um, all the while there's... You know, does that mean? And meanwhile, there's you know tenth club in the Premier Cricket Comp in the A grade might not be so great, but the seconds and thirds are okay, and they're playing well and they're developing well. Uh, is that fair to drop out one of the Premier Cricket teams to put that that 
turf team wanting to go up because they're playing well in their first into a comp where, you know, because there's three different grades and there's a lot of different players and a lot of different permutations. I'd love, I'd love to it's, know what your thoughts it, on that are. Well, in any relegation promotion competition, you're going to have someone lose out. Yep. If we want South Australia to be a better cricketing state, we've got to feel some pain somewhere. Mm. So if that means reducing the clubs at grade level, then that's what we need to do. This is what Mike Hussey has suggested we do. Now we can ignore Mike Hussey and leave it at 13 teams and it's mm-hmm. going on and on and on, And yep. but we'll probably nothing much will change. Well, that's the, what's, what's the saying? You know, do the same thing over and over again, expect different results, you know, it's the definition of insanity. You yes. Know, you need to find sometimes different solutions and try different things to get yourself where you need to go and have find a different result. Let's say a uh, let's say Club X gets dropped down, promoted. Uh, they don't win the premiership, but yeah. let's pick a club out. Uh, Marion Cricket Club mm-hmm. win the win the premiership. Yep. Their facilities are good. Their junior development's good. Their sponsorship's good. Financially, they're all great. They could go up. The club that finishes bottom in the Saka ten team competition, they're struggling. Mm-hmm. Can't get numbers in in lower grades. Uh, their juniors are struggling. They're struggling to find juniors. They're uh, struggling financially. They're in a bit of trouble. They need a bailout. So all of a sudden, there's an opportunity for a club who's never played mm. in the Saka Premier competition to come in and be part of that Premier League competition and bringing uh, a good club with a good culture and good players to that level. It's it's a good idea, and and I think it would have legs, and, and that's what the soccer board has to consider these sorts of ideas. And there's going to be a lot of them. I think that's the great thing about this is there's going to be a lot of ideas, in not just that point, but a lot of other areas too, which we've already sort of gone over and put our thoughts to. Is they have got a lot to consider. There are a lot of points here in this report, and there's a lot of little um, side points to each of those, and there's going to be tens of different ideas for each of those points. So they've got so much on their plate. How much can they consider? Now, I'd like to think out of the 13 points of focus areas that we need to look at, which Mike Hussey has done so well to lay out for us, we need to build pillars in our competition, in our state cricket system, on at least half of them, if not, and I think this is utopia, probably eight to nine of them, at probably the minimum. Because we, if we're going to have a... A, a will to get better and we're going to put ourselves out there and ask someone who's been in successful systems like Mike Hussey to do a review on our system that is broken. It's officially broken after, what, 25 years without a flag. We need to listen to this man and his ideas and what he has learned along his journey. And if we can take three quarters of these points away and try and change somewhere, they might not all execute properly and how we'd like them to, but at least give it a go then I think we're, we've had a crack. And that's all. I'd be happy with that. I, I agree with you. It's pointless even getting Mike Hussey to do this unless you're going to do something about it. Most of them. And it wasn't like it took him five minutes to do. That's right. He spoke to hundreds of people, interviewed hundreds of people, looked over every mm. every little bit from financial through to why, why the coaching is not working, who's coaching, and brought all his experience to this and... I think anyone who reads through his, his document will go, yeah, well, that's right. Mm. Yeah, well, you should do that. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, that makes sense. And and that's it. And so we've got to take 
a big slice of this on board. I agree with you 100%. Absolutely. Just And just before you do it, like this, this was announced somewhere in March, uh, hmm. or if not April. This was, he was, I, I gave him a call on the day it went um, public. Your mate, uh, Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I gave Mike a call because as part of my work, I wanted to find, I wanted to get him on our show, obviously, but I actually asked him how long has this been going for? And he said he's already been working on it for at least a fortnight. And I thought, hmm. far out. Like, this guy's already in the trench. He's already working. And it has only just come out. So clearly they were onto it quickly after the departure of Siddons. They, they made the, the call to mutually part ways. They got him in immediately. They didn't take long. And no. he was already on the job, which I thought was fantastic. And it took him... At, he would have used pretty much the entire three months, which is what he was given up until June 30. So that, for mine, was fantastic use of time. If you are listening to this podcast, uh, this is the First Eleven Cricket Show podcast, our pre-season, um, give us your thoughts on social media, whether that be Twitter or, or our Facebook page. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and we'll, we'll try and get back to you as well. Um, a couple other little things before we get away from the Premier Cricket. Um, more pitches with more pace and bounce. Mm. creates better contests contest with bat and ball mm. and again encouraging the state players to play more premier cricket love that yeah love it so let's change you know go go to the curators let's get Hoffy around to every ground <laughs> oh, he'd, love he'd love that he'd love that and Damien Hoff at Adelaide Oval just get him around and to consult more pace more bounce why don't we have more um, teaching in that space I mean I'm not a I haven't been close to groundskeeping much, but in most cases, in most local clubs, um, there isn't a whole lot of knowledge. There's even most, a lot of grounds, councils do their ground for them. I don't know how many Premier Cricket grounds uh, are looked after in that space or shared or anything, but, you know, groundskeepers would want to do the best they can and they clearly know a lot because they're making good wickets, but why not throw extra resources at them? Throw extra knowledge at them? Yeah, again, we're going to throw money at coaches, we're going to throw money at the ground staff as well, and um, I, from what I know, I think most clubs either do their own wicket or they pay someone to do the wicket. Mm. Some councils do it, but um, I, I again, you've got to support them. Saka has to support the local clubs to make this change happen. There's clearly a disconnect between the, the, the and when he says build relationships, I think that's what he means. There is a disconnect between the resource providing to them and that whether that is knowledge whether it's coaching whether it's pure one-on-one hand on hand, hands-on help um for different tasks coaching wicket providing um anything those sorts of things as soon as you start to interact with different people from above with your premier cricket teams they appreciate that just as much as i think overall the competition at the top will appreciate it too when players start to come through thicker and faster and and this is when Australia were at their golden peak you know back in the mid 2000s players were in the shield teams with averages of 50 knocking down the door and any Aussie player that wasn't doing the job at number six or anywhere would get knocked straight out of the team that's what South Australia needs to have at some point premier cricket players are knocking the door down and we can't have certain players batting at five six seven getting rolled in a, in a middle order or top order collapse and playing three, four games in a row doing the same thing. We yeah. need to have players knocking the door down. And hopefully these things get us there. Absolutely. Um, 
One other thing he mentioned, and this has been a bugbear of mine for 100 years. Uh, yes, I am <laughs> that old. Uh, uh, have a better relationship with the schools, the private schools especially. Young, talented kids playing at PAC in the first 11, they should be playing grade cricket. Absolutely. A-grade, grade cricket. Because yeah. the competition is better. Yes, you play, you, you have three or four elite kids you know, in the, in the school system, the private school system, um, and they have to play for their schools. Mm. Silly, isn't it? it? It's silly. Isn't um, that an ego? Get thing? them in a better competition. Isn't that an ego thing for the schools? It's always been like it, that. It is. It is. That's that's simple. But again, if you have a better relationship, if Saka has a better relationship with the school system mm-hmm. and gives back to the school, okay, we want to take this kid and play him in A grade cricket. But in turn, we will give you this mm. in regards to coaching funds. Some of our coaches will come to you and help out your school cricket. Mm. There needs to be two way. Can't just be. Can't just always be one way. We're yep. going to take. We're going to take. We're going to take. That's right. You've got to give as well. You have to invest to to improve. Absolutely. Um, recruiting. Mm. This is a good one. Oh, can you give me your thoughts on this? Because. We probably haven't recruited in the last five years anyone incredible, have we? Or, or if not anyone, really, other than what, Adam Zamp has come across the border? That's about it. And now gone? And Will, and will Bazisto's come at his own will. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's been very few that have come to South Australia. So many's from New South Wales, uh, from yeah, Recollection? Yeah, there's, there's been... There's, yeah. But in, but but in general, like, have we have we lured the big, here? the big fish hasn't come. No. Let's have a look at what Mike Hussey has put in his report. A focus on developing local talent through Premier Cricket, a coaching group to develop consistent vision and long term strategy in regards to list management, incorporating talent, age profile, positional depth, character, and personality. So that covers everything. Try and identify. And this is what I like the best. Try and identify and recruit the best young talent in the country. So former under-19 Australian players, non-contracted state players, but young non-contracted state players, and make them earn their spot Mm. at premier level. I love that. Target the best 10 or 15 players, or, or sorry, the 10th to 15th player in each state. So they might be in the squad. Yeah, but they're not making it. Can't break into New South Wales squad. It's too tough. Mm. Can't break into WA's squad. Too tough. Even with the Australian players going away, too hard. Well, that's what we got with Will Bazisto, and he's going to be a fantastic middle-order bat, hopefully, and a yeah. handy little part-time spinner. So let's look at that type of player and get them into this state. And I think that's... A, a, not a, I was going to say a Band-Aid, but it's not really. It's mm. the start of bringing better talent into the state Constantly do that. I think it also, I think it also gives uh, a little bit of a kick into gear for the Premier Cricket players too, who are knocking on the door, but also realise, hey, we're not the only ones here. There's a whole country of great players, and if they feel like we're not doing a good, jo- a good enough job here in the Premier levels, and they've gone off and found a different talent for my position that I'm trying to play for, and they've picked him over me, I'm clearly not doing a good enough job. I have to get myself into gear. And it's just an ever-flowing effect. So I'd like to think, we, you know, there's there's Josh Philippe's over in West. You've got uh, Jason Sangers over in New South Wales. You've got players who are young, 
right on the cusp of playing some great cricket for their state, might not make it every week, get them here. You've got to have the right person in place looking at those players too. Yes. That's not Dizzy's job. He's got to concentrate on what's here. But there has to be, we mentioned AFL a fair bit, but there has to be recruitment officers almost. Just about. Saying here's a kid who, who can really play, not getting an opportunity. You should make you know, give him a phone call. Here's our toughest issue right now. Cricket Australia have lost millions of dollars over this COVID break, and that has impacted state cricket more than they would have liked. And I think state cricket hasn't got a whole lot of dollars left in it. So for us to sit here and say, we need to throw money here, we need to throw money there, it's all good and well for us to say that. It's very tough for them right now. They're, they're, their well, wallets are thin. That's almost a complete other podcast, How Australian Cricket <laughs> <It is. laughs> lost billions yes. of dollars when there wasn't any cricket being played. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's truly amazing. Mm. But anyway, we'll leave that there. It, it, I think then all of these things... And again, like you said, Tuggers, we need to take a massive slice of this Hussey report and do, do the things in this report. Don't just look at it and go, yeah, that's a good idea. That's right. Make some hard decisions. And this is to everyone at SACA, just make some hard decisions. And I'm sure that this is what they want to do. Mm. But it needs some strength from the top. And maybe it needs, and maybe this is part of what they've said to Dizzy, is that we need you to support what we're going to do. Well, they've already enforced one, which is great, out of the 13. And they did it as soon as the report came in, and they dropped it um, in the middle of July, and that was the s- number 10, um, the reassembling of selection panel. So they've already scrapped the high-performance manager in Tim Nilsson and the pathways manager as selectors, and that was Graham Manu. So two people straight off the SACA uh, selection panel, and they're going to be rejigging that in some way, which is which is good. You know, They need to try and work out what their priorities are at that selection table each week for this team, and it, it may be very different to what we've been used to seeing, and I'm more than happy to encourage whatever that new way is, but as long as it's new. Question for you without notice. Here we go. Does Jason Gillespie keep Mike Hussey in his back pocket? Absolutely. They're good. They didn't play cricket together today. um, No, I don't think they did. No, I don't think they did either. Because Hussey started late and Dizzy finished early, but... Yeah, maybe once one of the seasons. (laughs) Somewhere along the line. Could be corrected there. But why not? Does Does he use Mike Hussey going, this is this is what we've done, this is what this is love your report. Yeah. You're hundred percent yeah. spot on. This is what we're doing. This is what I'm thinking of doing. What are you what are your thoughts? Should would this be a good direction to go in? Why not? Mike why, Hussey now not? knows how South Australian cricket works. Exactly. He's got he's got the blueprint, he's given it to us, but then he's also he would know if he was to then set up his 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 board and his system exactly how he's presented it in this report. How would he then go about that and implementing all those things? And so I don't think that would be a bad thing. For the next six months, Saka and Dizzy speak with him and go, well, thank you for the review. We understand your time's done with us, but we know you're not affiliated with any teams as such. You're you're in the media, etc. Why not just give us a little bit of an extra direction if we were to say this, this, this? Would you say that's good? I'm sure he'd say yes, because it's... 
it's what he's put yeah. in front of them, but it, why not? I, I think one one thing we can both agree on, Tuggers, uh, is that it's an excellent report. 100%. But as you said, something needs to be done. We need need to take 75% of this report, if not more, yeah. and make things happen. It's so important that we implement as much of this as possible. And look, the next few months are going to be great for us to see state cricket come back nice and slowly. They've already been doing pre-season um, under Greg Blewett and Luke Spudsworth, which is great. But there's so much cricket to come and we don't know what the players are going to offer, what changes are on the way. But that's that's the most exciting part. And we'll get to yeah. document that over the next few months on the First Eleven Cricket Show. Yeah, look, we, we've, we sort of did this off the cuff um, as we sort of wrap this thing up. Don't want to go too long. Um, we thought it would be a good idea just to give you our thoughts on the Hussey report especially and the fact that Dizzy was announced uh, this week. It just adds a little bonus for us. Um, but yes, look, please give us your feedback on social media, whether it be Twitter at First Eleven Cricket Show or on Facebook, First Eleven Cricket Show. Um, we will be back on 5AA over the summer, won't we, Sam? We will. At some stage, when obviously well, the football season's pushed on, so... <laughs> we're we're going to start a bit late. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. To, yeah. Uh, by the way, just another thing yes. uh, off off the top of my head. Um, lights going up at Karen Rolt Noble. Are they? Light towers. Fantastic. Light towers. There's two up. I uh, drove past there today. And then oh, two, that's great. Two big light towers up. You know, um, what, you know what this could mean? Pink ball tests at Karen Rolton. Four well, day, well, four, four, not tests, shield, sorry. Shield four, day, four day pink ball shield games. Why wouldn't you? Let's do it. Day-nighters. Let's do it. Day-night one day is. <laughs> but also, that also means WBBL games, which could be at night. Um, state one day games. Oh, mate, this is fantastic. I didn't know this. Yeah, I, um, I drove past last week and there was a couple of big holes I noticed, and then <laughs> I drove past this week, and two light towers already up, and there's another couple going in as wow. well. So, lights at Karen Rolton Oval going to be outstanding. Can't wait for that. So that's going to ha- happen this summer. There'll be night games, night really? cricket at Adelaide at uh, Karen Rolton Oval. I hope they're not retractable. No, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're we not. made that discussion. No, they're not. Mate, it's been fun. A little podcast. Uh, yep. I hope you've enjoyed it, and and um, tell your friends about the First Eleven Cricket Show. Is that it? Are we done? I think we're done. Hey, will I see you um, at the next preseason? You will see me at every preseason. Great. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Hey, okay. Get out of here. Little by bit. I wanna quit. Keep on my whip. Hit it a nip. Life is a trip. Grip it on slip. Easy in the mist. Check the box, count the days, hope the pays. On-